Hey everybody, welcome to podcast number 59. It's been a bit of a delay since the Christmas cast, but uh, we're back. We've got some ones lined up coming up here. And on this one here in 59, we're going to be talking to Nate, Tyler, and Leroy about the CMC Clutch. All right, so on the podcast this morning, afternoon, depending on where you are, we're going to talk about the Clutch. And we are honored to have Nate from Elevated Harkin fame and Leroy and Tyler from CMC fame to talk about a device that's really caught the attention of pretty much the entire rescue community at this point in time. And so I guess to start off with it, we'll go to Nate and we'll go, how did it start? Like, where did this start? Let's put some timelines around this. Yeah, sure, man. First, I just want to say I appreciate uh, you having us on to discuss it today. Um, so to start off with it, I think I was thinking about, you know, where to start off with where the clutch came from. And I think initially I just want to do a quick overview of like where the Harkin and Elevated Safety kind of um, collaboration and partnership came about. And really that started way back in like 2012. And it really came with two two individuals. Colin Moon, who was the uh, original owner of Elevated Safety, and then Sean Kogan, who at that time wasn't working for Harkin yet, but they had met up at um, at Eiders International Technical Rescue Symposium, and they had met up at the Spratt Annual Conference, and you know they developed a friendship, and then eventually Sean ended up starting working for us, Elevated Safety, doing some uh, level three inspection work and jobs for us. So that's really where the initial connection be, uh, started. Um, shortly after that, Sean ended up getting a job with Harkin. Harkin uh, is huge in the sailing world, obviously. They wanted to branch out and start getting more into the industrial area. And that's where Harkin Industrial came from. That's when Sean got on board with them. So he does have a sailing background as well as he does have um, the rope access industrial background. So that's kind of where the elevated safety and um, Harkin relationship started and began. Um, uh, shortly thereafter, myself and Ross Chapman purchased um, Elevated Safety and started owning it. And then in 2018, we were acquired by Harkin. So that's just kind of the big overview of that. Um, so getting back into where the clutch came about. So the clutch really it came about, um, honestly, I was talking with Sean this morning about it. And it was back in 2014. Um, he and I were on a bridge together, a bridge inspection together in Kentucky. And it came about as, you know, Sean was uh, new to Harkin. Part of his tasking was coming up with new products to develop as their manufacturer, you know, and he, we were sitting down as most great ideas uh, come about as we were out afterwards having drinks at the bar with some of the engineers. And, you know, one of his questions was like, what do you see as something that um, is progressive and something that would you would need on a job site that we don't have right now? And elevated safety's background at that point in time in 2014 was really we we're doing a lot of we're, we're firemen based we're owned owned and operated by firemen especially then all chicago area doing a lot of instruction of rope ops rope tech that kind of stuff in the area but then we're also uh, kind of that hybrid with using rope access very much like ronan is you know we we're firemen but we're also rope access and we're also confined space so um somewhat of a hybrid so we we had been using mpds and we had been using um, IDs and ASAPs in the area, but really, uh, back in 2014, there wasn't a lot of people using IDs and ASAPs. People were just starting to use MPDs. And on our rigs, what we had is we had MPDs for lowering and hauling, 
And then we would have IDs and ASAPs if we were going to do descending, if we were going to do pickoffs and that kind of thing, right? So we really had two devices and we had two devices. We had, if you're going to haul, we would tell students and we tell our, our, our rescue guys that, hey, you're going to be using an MPD because of the efficiency of the sheave in there. Um, way more efficient. So you're going to be using an MPD. And then if you're going to be repelling, obviously doing a pickoff style, you're using an ID. So in our minds, and I'm sure a lot of people's minds back then that were using both products, it was very clear that the holy grail, if you will, or the best product out there that we could develop would be, man, we wish we had something that had ID function, petrol ID functionality with efficiency of an MPD. Um, and that's kind of what we discussed when you were out there in Kentucky. And, you know, Sean took that idea. And in October of 2014, he initiated the initial project charter at Harkin uh, and Harkin Industrial to start looking into uh, making this device. It wasn't in the clutch yet, but uh, coming up with ideas and how to engineer this device and looking into it. Um, John Malcolm from Harkin Industrial was the lead engineer for that. So they started the project charter, but not much had happened with it, to be honest with you. And then in um, the spring of 2015, we ended up having a bridge inspection up in Alaska. Uh, where we had to take float planes in and you can only allow 50 pounds of gear in your packs. So, um, you know, we had, he had IDs and we had uh, some of our kits. So that was really it. You know, would it be ideal to have an MPD for hauling operations for rescue? Yes, but, you know, 50 pounds in your pack, you're not going to have, not going to be bringing an MPD with you as well. Um, during that inspection, there was an incident where they had to raise up an individual, 10 feet got stuck, 10 feet down, had to get raised up. And, you know, that was really the, hey man, if we had this device that we had discussed and we started the project charter for, this would be the ideal place for it, right? Because using an ID with, that's not that efficient, trying to haul up a, a larger man up even 10 feet is incredibly inefficient and it's difficult. But if we had an MPD, it would have been great, but obviously we're not gonna bring it out there with 50 pounds in your kit. So that's really when that kind of the project took legs a little bit more as we had that real world application and we could show Harkin no, this is this is where we could have used this device. This is where we want it. Um, Sean likes to say this was a uh, you know technician-driven product. It's not a market marketing-driven product. It was really a technician-driven product. It was something that was built out of uh, having technicians out in the field using devices and seeing what we want um, that would help us out and be progressive in the future. So, um, so yeah, so it really took legs then, and they started doing product development on it in 2015. I believe it's October. Um, that was the first working prototype they had. Um, I was blessed to be go out there and be one of the first people to see it. Um, in the morning, I had the morning session. Leroy had the afternoon session. Um, and we went out there and we checked checked out the prototype that Harkin had came up with. Um, I'll let Leroy talk to that, obviously. Um, but we, yeah, we were both very impressed with it. And after that, you know, um, 2016, uh, CMC and Harkin came up with a partnership a draft agreement and that's by that initial meeting with Leroy out there is really where it started uh, in 2016 early partnership agreement with CMC and Harkin to develop it um, and then in 2017 2017 was the Venice Beach inspection that we had out in California um, that's when we had the first real working prototypes out in the field uh, we had an inspection out there with uh, doing inspection on the Venice Beach Pier and that's when CMC it's the first time I ever met Jason Lusk he came out as well some of their management staff to take a look at the product um, and then that's really kind of I believe where when um, the, really the collaboration really, really began a lot more with uh, CMC's engineers with Tyler and the guys and our and our people after that 
Um, and then, you know, long after that, 2020 in January is when the 11 miller, 11 millimeter clutch launched. And then 2021 is, uh, you know, this month is we're launching a 13 millimeter. So that's kind of just a big overview of where it initially came from. Right on. That's, uh, that's quite the project there. Yeah. And I've got some questions, but I'm going to bounce around a little bit. You mentioned Leroy there in 2015. You had the afternoon session, Leroy. You came on down to take a look at it. Do you want to uh, give your thoughts and opinions about the project from that point of view? Yeah, it was, it was actually, uh, I was on my way home from teaching at a power plant. Uh, one of the other instructors and I were on our way back. Um, I had talked to Sean, I don't know, a day or two before then, I guess. And uh, he said, hey, you know, if you want to stop by, because I only live about 20 minutes from Harkin. And he said, I said, well, we're going to be out of town, but we'll be on our way back. We'll stop in on our way back. Um, stopped into Harkin. Nobody was there. Uh, they were out at lunch. We got done early. So um, they showed up and they said, yeah, we knew it was you in the parking lot because there's, you know, all kinds of rescue gear and had litters on top of my vehicle and stuff. So, uh, but we went out in uh, the warehouse area and played with it. It, I, it was impressive. Um, like Nate said, it's kind of that Holy grail combination, MPD, ID, you know, lever activated it significantly different. I think Nate would agree just in appearance, not necessarily functionality, but, um, Definitely different. The original prototypes definitely different than the end product um, turned out. Uh, but it was a really cool piece of kit. And the first thing I did as soon as I got home was I got on the phone, um, talked to Sean and uh, the engineers that were there, and uh, they said, "Well, what do you think?" It's a, it's a nice piece of gear. I mean, you want to try and be as coy about things as you possibly can, <laughs> as you would expect. Um, I said, and they said, well, is there anything you would change? And we talked about a couple of different things, um, just from my background being different than Nate's. I mean, I, I can do the skills of rope access, but I'm not a rope access guy, you know, just, so it's a little bit out of my wheelhouse doing it from a straight up rope access kind of thing. Um, but we talked about rescue, you know, would you use this on a rescue? Yeah, I would, but there's a couple of different things that I would change personally. And, um, first thing I did when I got back home, got on the phone, called CMC. And I said, you really need to be talking to these guys. Cause this is the next thing, um, had a chance to play with it. I mean, we raised and lowered 600 pounds. Um, they had a couple of their test weights, I think were there, you know, simulating that single person, two person load it's, but it was, I was very impressed with it. Um, that original version was that the clamshell version at that point. Yeah, it opened like a book, um, yeah. which which I thought was really kind of clever. Um, the the latch mechanism was kind of clever too. You know, the the magnet closing and then the additional secondary safety latch on there. Um, it was all really clever design, really well thought out. Um, I did manage to break them when they eventually wound up at CMC. And, you know, it took me a couple hours, but uh, managed to break, I think, all of the prototypes except for the one that Tyler wouldn't give me. Um, but uh, overall, you know, the, the ideas were there. I mean, it's a great piece of that blended piece of kit kind of thing. Yeah. Right on. I'll jump over to you, Tyler. Like, 
You guys at CMC, have you worked often with other engineers, other companies in regards to this, or is this kind of a first? Yeah, I mean, CMC is a small team. So, you know, we use a lot of partnerships to, to help, you know, augment our, our capacity in terms of, you know, both design and manufacturing. Um, this one was just a really good timing. Um, I started at CMC in early 2016, which is, you know, you heard the timeline from Nate kind of right in the middle of this project. And right, you know, when we first started talking with, with Harkin, um, and one of the projects I was hired for was, you know, what's the next generation of the MPD, right? What's, what's gonna make the MPD better? It had been on the market for, for almost 10 years at that point. So, you know, we were collecting feedback from users. We were learning about, you know, what the challenges were. And, and you know, one of the big, the biggest challenges with the MPD is, is the ergonomics and the handle and, and how it operates. And, and so we were building out our product specification around what the next generation MPD might be. And, you know, talk of handle, talk of smaller, talk of lighter, um, you know, personal to the center, those kind of things were all on the table. And when we kind of got the call from Leroy and, and first got to see it, it was amazing how, how well that product matched up against the, the specification we were building. So at that point, it's, you know, it makes a lot more sense to partner with somebody that's got the deep uh, manufacturing background and then already has a great product idea than try to redevelop and, and end up being competitive on the market. So from our standpoint, it, it just worked out to be a perfect partnership. Um, you know, we brought a lot to the table in terms of, you know, our knowledge of the rescue industry and our history with the MPD. Um, and Harkin brought the initial design concept and all the manufacturing expertise and, and how to make it a reality. So from our standpoint, it was just a perfect timing and a, and a great partnership. Okay. Um, how many prototypes did this one go through? Oh God. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I, I, I could probably count if I went back into the lab and laid them all out, but we probably have, you know, 20 to 30 different variants of the clutch throughout its development over the past, you know, five years. Uh, you know, things like the latch alone, um, you know, we went through 10 or 15 versions of that to get it to get it to where it is. Um, because it that's challenging, you know, which way should the side plate rotate? What should, you know, every little feature on that product, uh, you can do it so many different ways, but it's how do you make it work and how do you make it into a device that people want to use? And it's, it's super challenging, so. I remember Sean walking around Eiders, um, I can't remember the year now, asking people, should it flip this way or should it flip this way? I don't know if you had one of each or something, but. Yeah, there was definitely yeah. some conversation about that. Oh my gosh, some of the details you get into are, it's almost embarrassing when you think back to it, but that's part of the process and making sure that it's, it's going to be the best thing on the market and that it's going to be something people want to use. Right on. And Nate, over to you with the rope access side. With a device that, I mean, generally the rope access gear and the rescue gear has been separated over the years, and now we're starting to see them mesh together along with the skill sets. What benefits do you figure this piece of equipment has in the rope access world then? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, yeah, so like you said, we, we, 
we go on that fire industry side, we're also on that rope access side. So we have kind of a unique perspective, just like you guys at Ronin. Um, Fireside, it was obvious, right? Fireside is an obvious win. It's a combination of an MPD and ID. You know, fire guys are going to be able to use that for everything. So that's, it's, it's great. The um, rope access side, I'll be honest with you. And, you know, the, the initial, the initial thought price point wise was to keep it, you know, much lower than it was, you know, but like Tyler's Tyler said, and Tyler knows, you know, it's one of those, um, it was very interesting to see on my end, seeing the manufacturing and how development goes into it. It's not as anywhere as easy as people may think. And like yeah. every little, small, little thing, um, takes months to do. And it also has a one little thing may add $50 here or whatever else. So trying to keep that price point low is, you know, one of the goals, but sometimes you just can't do it. And, you know, this product speak to Tyler and Tyler and CMC engineers and the Harkin engineers. I mean, the whole goal with this thing was to put out the best product possible. And that's what they ended up doing. That's why it took a little bit longer. That's why it might cost a little bit more as well, honestly. But in the end, the goal was to have the best product that we could have out there and not, not skimp on anything. So that said, um, the rope access side, yeah, I was a little concerned initially, honestly, because the price point is high compared to an ID or, you know, I usually roll with a Petzl rig, honestly, which is pretty cheap. So having a rig or an ID versus um, the clutch initially, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure how many rope access techs are going to end up using it. They might have it in in a kit bag for a rescue setup, but walking around with it, it's a little bit heavier as well. Um, um, and I can say I was Honestly, I was completely wrong on this subject. We've been using it for the past year and a half now. Uh, plus, well, we've been using the prototypes for a couple of years now, but we've been using the the one that came out probably for a good year and a half now. And the real huge benefit to us is that efficiency. And um, you know, we do a lot of inspection work on bridges is one of our main things and on buildings. But on bridges, we're doing, sometimes we might be doing 30, 30 drops a day where you're dropping 10, 15 feet down below deck, taking a look, coming back up. And with the clutch now, you know, the efficiency of it, you know, you could uppercut with, with an ID, but it's not as efficient with a, with a, with a clutch, it's just so easy. So it's allowed our inspectors and us, in my mind, to be, to be safer now because of that efficiency. They're not getting as tired. They don't have to come and switch out into their crawl and come up. They don't have to uppercut on, on an ID or rig. They have that efficiency of the clutch, which allows them to not be as gassed out, uh, you know, be a little more physically aware. You know, when you get physically tired, your safety mark, your safety goes down because you're just not paying attention as much. So being a level three guy on scene, um, A, it's given, how I like it a lot because it's it makes my life easier for for level ones that aren't on rope very often that are doing inspections and I'm I'm watching over them. Uh, I know they can uppercut, they can get out of stuff easier, um, and the functionality of it's all there, same as an ID safety safety stuff. Um, and then I also have one on myself again for for rescue, and I know that with that with a Sprat level one kit really in a clutch, I can I can perform any rescue out there if you're if spread, uh, rope access tech trained and you have a, have a clutch like you can lift a 250 pound guy up doing a three to one MA system on it versus having some of those other products out there that don't have that efficiency. So that efficiency has really been a huge thing for us. Um, I've been really impressed with it again, honestly. Um, my our initial thoughts were weren't sure how it was going to perform very well in the rope access world, but it's it's really um, I've been impressed by people have been impressed by it. they come through sprat classes and they use it. And especially for, for, um, for level one people and people that aren't on rope as often, 
um, it's been a huge benefit to have that efficiency of that sheave in there for it. Right on. I'll throw the next question here at Leroy, because you've been teaching firemen since Moses was driving pump. Um, how has it been received in the fire rescue community or that rescue community, industrial rescue? Um, actually, it's really starting to pick up a lot of, um, it's picking up a lot of steam because it, it is a multi, a truly multifunctional piece of equipment. Um, a lot of guys like it from the standpoint of, I mean, let's face it, you know, you cover repelling in recruit school, right? You know, Johnny new guy, we've, we've tried to get away from the manila rope and three wraps around your carabiner uh, deal. But um, when you, when you look at it, the, the receptiveness of how easy the device is to use, I mean, and it's a robust chunk of hardware. I mean, we've, We've put it through its paces. Um, we have a few gravitationally enhanced guys that come through class. Um, can't call them fat because that hurts their feelings. Um, and it is a, you know, and I do work for a company in California, so um, can't hurt feelings. But um, even those bigger guys seem to, they, they feel much more comfortable on a rope just knowing it's got the panic stop, just knowing they're in full control as opposed to, you know, the old school figure eights and the old school, you know, racks or even a 3D, any of those things. Just knowing that if a guy lets go for whatever reason, he's not going anywhere. Um, controllability wise, um, and then taking it from that application, that individual descender, whether it be from the standpoint of pickoffs like that Nate had mentioned, or throwing it into a mechanical advantage system. It's just a really intuitive, people seem to pick up on it a little bit quicker than they do the MPDs. Um, and passing knots is almost criminal, to be honest with you. It's, it's criminally easy. Um, passing knots with that, because you don't have to disconnect it with an anchor. You know, you don't, you don't disconnect anything to pass knots as opposed to an MPD or a lot of other stuff where you're, you physically have to take it off of the anchor point to pass knots on systems and, and those kind of things. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of departments that have switched to the 11 mil, like when the G11 came out. Um, some major West Coast folks that I figured there's no way they were gonna make that change that as soon as the G11 came out and now that the clutch, when the 11 mil clutch came out, it was, I mean, you'd have to ask the guys in sales, but I, I see the reports and it's fairly obnoxious how many are going to one particular organization. Um, like anything else, it, it takes time. You know, um, I think back to the days when the MPD came out takes time to gain acceptance, but this one I think is definitely easier from the standpoint of that multifunctionality. Um, and like I said, guys are, they look at it and initially once that initial learning curve, how do you load the rope? It's like, dude, you make it look like the picture. It's pretty simple. Um, you know, open it up and the picture's right there. Make it look like that picture and life is good. So, um, but overall, I mean, it's it's very well received, very well received. All right, just a few general questions, and uh, just kind of shout out, and we'll push through who's actually going to answer it. Then, 
did you try to make a device that fell into the force limiting world that we seem to be moving towards now? Or was that just a decent byproduct of the device being made? Who yeah, I'll jump on that one. All right, Tyler, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, that was one of the key requirements. Um, that's something we had learned out through the MPD. Um, you know, the thing has to has to slip, has to slip before it breaks rope, has to not damage rope in the event of an overload. And that was one of the biggest challenges um, early on, trying to make that work and make that work effectively. So, um, you know, Leroy talks about breaking some prototypes early on um, in those first days. We, it was in those tests where we saw a lot of parts flying. So. Yeah, force limiting is a is a key key part of of how to move forward with device safe devices. Um, so that was always in there. All right, and what uh, put someone on the spot? What's the uh, slip and regrip on that? Does anybody know off the top of their head? <laughs> I can jump on that one. Uh, if you head over to our website cmcpro.com, there's a. <laughs> Uh, no, we have a, a whole host of technical information up on the site where we've done slip and drop testing for, I think, 10 or 15 different ropes of uh, various constructions and diameters. So we publish all that data. Um, so depending on the rope type, uh, it's, you know, it's all up there. Right on. Um... Is there any thoughts about making it more tactical, anybody, and taking the click out of it, or is that a Harkin staple that's going to be in there? Um, I, I think you know that's part of the design right now. Um, the ratchets are in there. Uh, the click is in there. Everybody who hears it loves it um, until you know there's certain you know, certain requirements like tactical or, or stage where we've heard the sound can be an issue, but um, it's part of the design for now. I mean, all options are on the table for the next variance as we start thinking about, you know, what the next version of the clutch might be. Right on. Nate, over to you. Um, small diameter rope seems to be coming out. Is there any thought process on making this device smaller? or for smaller diameter ropes, sorry, not the device physically smaller perhaps, but for smaller diameter ropes. Yeah, it's all been in talks. It's like Tyler said, it's all kind of on the table right now. Um, I think we were all looking just to get that the 13 mil out now, and now we can kind of start progressing to the next steps, next phases going forward. Um, but yeah, I've been, I'm not surprised, but I've been a little surprised by, I've been getting a lot of questions in regards to the tactical community. I know you're big in that as well. Um, but yeah, smaller, lighter rope, making it smaller. I mean, the initial, one initial thoughts we had originally, even, you know, even, uh, um, with CMC and us was always to possibly have a smaller version, right? You know, again, looking at the ID and then Pestle has the rig, you know, so having a smaller one that might not have as many safety features to it, it's a little more technician driven, more to that, uh, tactical level. Um, that's definitely, you know, definitely been talked about. Right on. Um, Leroy, the 13 mil just got released like, I don't know, I'm going to watch on like five days ago or something or four days. I don't even know what day it is here. Oh, one in front of you right there. <laughs> we just had two arrive as well. Do you think that the fire service is still, I, I don't want to use the word stuck because it's not the right word, but still resistant to change and wanting to stay with the 12 and a half? Or do you see that the fire service is going to do more of a 
you know, like a 50-50 or a 60-40 where they're running 12 and 11 because of the, the ropes and the devices that are compatible now? Yeah, that's a, re- that's a really good question. And I think that a lot of that depends on where you are in the country and what your what your team's capabilities are. You know, what is what does your response district look like kind of thing? Um, my old department, all hazard type of team, um, I know that they run half inch and 11 mil. Um, 11 mil for certain applications, 12 mil for other applications. Um, there is a trend, there is a definite trend, at least in my mind, um, smaller, faster, lighter. Um, I mean, let's face it, it's all about weight. Um, and it's way different. I, in my mind, it's, it's different than rope access, only from the standpoint that, you know, you pull up with a big red fire truck or whatever your color du jour happens to be. <laughs> the color um, du jour. But <laughs> I mean, but you, you pull up with your heavy rescue and you have all your tools and toys. And if you got to walk more than a quarter of a mile, that's kind of a rarity. Um, it, it really is. Um, yeah, there's backcountry teams and they've been 11 mil and that'll be 11 mil or smaller. Um, talking to a lot of guys from overseas, they say the biggest line they carry with them is, you know, nine and a half or 10, um, depending on where they're working, what they're doing. But I think fire service wise, there are some organizations that just because of the retraining that would have to take place and the volume of people they would have to retrain. Now they've got specialists and technicians that are working with 11 mil right now, but the organizations are big enough that as a whole, it'll take time, but eventually it will probably get there. Um, it, it's a bigger trend. And, and some of the people that I've talked to over the, over the last couple of years, um, just coming from those organizations, it was a bit of a surprise that they were even entertaining switching to 11 mil and going lighter across the board. Well, there's it'll, gonna it'll be, get there. There'll be people listening to this thinking your CMC your instructor card is going to get pulled even talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, that wouldn't be the first time, you know. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I, you know, you look at it and to me, a lot, even a lot of the industrial teams that we work with um, work with half-inch rope, but they don't get their hands on stuff very often. The teams that have, the teams that are active, that that train monthly, you know, that that really get into it, they're already looking at eleven mil. As soon as eleven mil, as soon as the the eleven mil clutch came out, they were said, you know, the first question was, does this work with any eleven millimeter rope? Because that's what we want to switch to. It's like, yeah. Is, you know, comes down to the organizational or the uh, infamous NFPA authority having jurisdiction, which is everybody's favorite term. You know, the HGA, yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's what we've seen too, Mark, is the, uh, you know, that's it's, just edu- it's an education thing, honestly. It's, you, it's so, the fire industry is so stuck in this, not everyone, but you have a lot stuck in this NFPAG. It needs to be NFPAG rated. Um, heavy duty stuff and you know we try to preach it's not the not the rope that's going to fail or the device man it's going to be human air human air is just what's going to kill somebody it's going to not going to be the nine thousand pound rope or seven thousand pound rope it's going to be your anchoring it's going to be some human air something that comes into play so you know cmc i will say has done an awesome job on their videos their videos have been great uh, educating the public on some of this stuff 
I think that G11 rope coming out was definitely a huge benefit from what I saw as well for sales for elevated safety selling. This stuff is people were buying up that G11 with the with the with the clutch because then they can still say it's G-rated um, to people, but they're using 11 mil. So you're seeing that in industry anyways. You know, with with that rope, you're seeing you know lighter, stronger, faster, as Leroy said, with uh, all devices, especially the uh, the rope, but. Yeah, I think the biggest holdup I think I've seen in our area, at least Chicagoland area, has been um, working with others around us. So uh, I'm out of department. We have a, we have a little over 90 people, but you know, Palatine Fire Department around side of Chicago. But we're you now we have Mavis Division, so we work we work with other um, towns around us, and we share we share equipment. So the hard part for us is I would love to go 11 mil, but then the problem is we wouldn't be compatible with some of the devices in surrounding areas that we respond with. So um, that's been, you know, the, the towns that are kind of by themselves, like you were kind of mentioned geographically, I think have um, had the advantage because they can, they can do whatever they want. They don't really have to worry about their surrounding partners. Um, our USAR team, Illinois Task Force One, I'm happy to say finally agreed to us going 11 mil. So we just went, um, we just bought all new 11 mil and going with 11 mil clutches for our USAR team in Illinois, which is be huge as well. Cause that's, you know, so I think that's huge with the USAR teams down in the States because they have, they pull people from, you know, every technical rescue team in, in the state. So then they get to see it. Once they see it, they can go back and educate people. Like Leroy was saying, it's really an education thing. Once people see it and you educate them on it, they're like, Oh, okay. I mean, I remember we first started teaching at FDIC teaching tower tech and, or to tower off um, our hot class. And it was like, you know, we were using 11 mil and people were freaking out. Like there were some people that would legit did not, would not go on the rope because they thought like it was going to explode or something. I have no idea, but I mean, they would not go on the rope. They were freaked out that it was uh, not an FPAG rated rope is 11 mil, not half inch. And we had to educate them and do it. And then, you know, the last time we didn't have FDIC last year, but you know, you can see the progression even in those, in those courses, because we've been teaching it for five years now is, guys coming now or you know they're getting educated from from the from the youtube videos and the training videos from cmc and others out there that are telling people even like your in your podcast as well i know you've discussed this as well mark you know the difference in you know educating yourself not just going blindly saying oh yeah this is stamped nfpg it's good to go but actually understanding what those ratings actually mean and what it means to your safety margins and all that kind of stuff that's funny you mentioned about, you know, going on rope. Just post anything about a span length or a tension line. I watch people blow up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, a few questions, and you can ballpark these if you wish. What kind of production, and I don't want to hammer you down to a number, but like for an 11 mil or 12 mil clutch, or like, are you putting out about the same amount of each at this point? Or is there one device that's more popular than the other or is hard to say because the 12 mil just came out somebody want to take a stab at that yeah i i can start that and then you guys can jump in if there's any other um yeah we're we're excited about the 13 um it's uh just launched like you said the initial demand has been super strong so we're we're encouraged that that's going to do really well um for the past you know just Comparing to the MPD, you know, 11 mil clutches, you know, double the 11 mil MPD volume easily. Wow. So we're seeing a lot more demand for, for 11 mil. Um, G11 rope has become like our number two selling rope uh, in just the short time it's been out, you know, second to static pro. So that's, 
showing huge signs of 11 millimeter volume increasing substantially. Um, and, you know, as far as 11 to 13 in MPDs and clutches, I think, uh, I think the 13 global or as a, as a function is still a bigger sales driver, but, uh, but the 11 is definitely growing. Leroy or Nate, you want to throw anything in on that? Or are you happy with that answer? I have nothing to add because I'm from the Midwest and it's always a good thing having your boss 2000 miles away. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that, that, that 13 mil, 12 mil just came out. So I, I would suspect, I'm sure that the fire industry we've been, you know, I'm sure Leroy and Tyler and all of them too have been ever since the first one came out, it's been nonstop questioning as to when this the half inch version is coming out. So I, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what numbers are a year from now, because I imagine it's going to be pretty significant. We even get direct messages from people asking when it's coming out. It's like, you guys realize we have nothing to do with this, right? Just asking <laughs> everybody, shooting everybody on social media at this point. Yeah. Um, a little bit about the testing. We have a CE version of the 11 mil, yes? Yes. How has that been taken over in Europe? I know Europe is... I mean, we'll say it. Europe is huge pencil territory. They happen to, you know, exist in Europe and started in Europe. Have you seen much success with that com comparison to other products that we've tried to push across the pond? Um, yeah, I mean, Europe is is still a, a smaller market for us. It's it's challenging uh, being a U.S. manufacturer to to break in over there, um, especially just in terms of cost. Right, pencil pencils costs in Europe are are so low, they're even lower than what they are here. So trying to compete once it gets over there is, is challenging, um, but we have seen good success with the clutch, um, you know, way better than any of the other products we've tried to put over there. Uh, so we're pushing forward with that. And we're, we're trying to figure out how to make it even more successful. Um, from CMC side, we're adding a lot more CE products to our line. Um, we're getting really close on the Atom Harness and a couple others, uh, products specifically for Europe. So we're, we're building out our, our CE presence as much as we can. So taking it to them, see what we can do. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's been some, some big, big wins. Uh, you know, Nomura Fire Department just selected the clutch as their, um, as their preferred device. So that's, that's a big win because they're so influential. Um, and then, yeah, just other, other small wins here and there. Right on. Now, is there much design change that had to go into making the CE standard applicable as well, or did the device pretty much go straight across? Um, it pretty much went straight across. Uh, you know, obviously the CE standards are are a lot more in depth and more challenging than than some of the NFPA and, and ANSI standards in in terms of testing. Yeah. You know, the the EN three four one test alone. You know, I think we had to do 16 successive descents with 300 kilograms on the device, um, back to back to back, same piece of rope. Um, so you can imagine the heat and the and and uh, the challenge of that test is is pretty insane. But uh, no, I mean we designed the device and and work in the parking uh, to be as robust and as as. Uh, reliable as it can be. So when it came to those tests, you know, there's a few challenges, few surprises that we learned as we were going along, but uh, for the most part, it was, it was designed for those heavy loads from the start. So it, it, 
it right went on. through. Well, is there anything anybody else wants to add to this? <laughs> anything sitting on your desk going, hey, Mark forgot to mention this or ask a question about it? Uh, not that I can think of. No. Before we wrap off then, um, wrap up, wrap off, we just, uh, in a short sentence or less sort of thing, your, uh, your favorite part of the clutch, like your favorite either design piece or, you know, something to do with it. Like what makes it the device for you? Start with you, Nate, because you're on the left of my screen and I'll move across. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just that, uh, I hate to say multi-purpose uh, device of it, because <laughs> day, but it's just that it's that multi-purpose functionality of it, to be honest. You know, it's like I can have this one piece of kit uh, on my on my gear and I'm good to go. I can do anything with with that one piece of, of gear. So that's that's really the main thing for me. Leroy. Um, intuitive and easy to use is um, I'm not going to say you can't screw it up, but you really have to really you have to kind of work at screwing it up. Hey, come on. I've worked in this industry <laughs> as a firefighter for like 27 years, too. You can screw anything up. <laughs> Well, true. No, but it, it, the, just the intuitive, the, the intuitive nature of the device just makes it um, that much easier to use for, the, especially for the end user. Right on. You know. Tyler. I'm going to have to go with uh, the sound of progress. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I mean, I think just, uh, you know, the, the, how it finally all came together into the final package, I think for me is what, really awesome you know the sound from the the clicking of the latch and how go secure ahead. that sounds and feels. roll it you got one in your head go ahead you know that sound yeah. and then and then the sound of the the progress capture and that to me it's just it's so identifiable and and it just i don't know just love the device <laughs> one of the things we found not to steal any thunder when we were running the training is it gives the team leader almost positive feedback when the device is rigged because when the guys or the girls take up slack in the line as soon yep. as you hear the fish on you know the device has been rigged correctly back at the anchor so if you're over at an edge or something or a bit away from where your anchoring's going on you get two distinct positive feedbacks that okay i know the least the device is rigged correctly at that point <laughs> so it's been good there yeah and then just you know knowing how bomber it is how robust um you know, through the testing, I mean, we've had 10,000 pounds on this thing and it, the latch still works, the, the ratchet still ratchets, like that's pretty, pretty awesome to think about. All right on. Well, I've taken up a good 40 minutes to your guys this morning. I appreciate you coming on to talk about this. And uh, if there's nothing else anybody wants to say, we'll ring off. Right on. Right. Well, thanks Sounds for having good. us, Mark. Yeah, thanks, thanks Mark. Mark. Thank you.